aliens love mashed potatoes. And everyone's jaw drops. I would like to say no, Max. Who are you, sir? Hello and welcome to Pass the Hot Sauce, a Roswell podcast. I'm Aliza Ora. I'm Lisa Abigail. And I'm Lorena Rose, and we're here to talk about every episode of the 1999 WB series Roswell, one episode at a time and spoiler free. Today we are discussing season one, episode 18, Tess, Lies, and Videotape. According to IMDb, this is the one where, although strangely drawn to Tess, Max finds it hard to trust her, so the gang decides to set up a hidden camera in her house. This description gives away a lot of the plot. Yes, it does. <laughs> the episode was written by Richard Whitley. This is his only episode. He wrote it along with Tony Graffia. This is her second of six episodes, and she's also a producer on the show. It was directed by Paul Shapiro. This is also his second of six episodes. We previously had him on the Total Downer Independence Day. And this episode originally aired on the 17th of April, 2000. All right. Well, let's dive in. Um, we start this episode in the Crashdown, as we tend to hang out at the Crashdown very much. And right off the bat, I loved how disgusted Isabel looked with um, <laughs> Liz and Max's, like, lovey-doveyness. She's just rolling her eyes. They're, like, role-playing? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sir, would you like some coffee? Yeah, I'm totally on Isabel's side. Ugh, this is her brother. Like, tone it down, dude. Yeah, Isabel called it creepy, and I agree. Also creepy, I thought, was when the sheriff comes in for coffee and Liz is standing three inches away from him for no reason. Like, she initiates the too close contact. <laughs> I couldn't figure out why, but it was very disturbing. I think that, like me, she thinks Sheriff Valente is kind of hot sometimes. <laughs> he also, like, you know, they were all super uptight, but he just came in, got his coffee, and was like, okay, bye everyone, have a good day, with like a smile. He didn't do anything creepy. He's trying really hard in this episode to yeah. be a good guy. It's so sweet. He really is. Of course, we get the stupid Max and Michael squabbling over whose fault it is that blah, 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 whatever. I don't care about this. Ugh, I need them to stop fighting. Yeah. Like, they're just causing more problems for themselves. They already have enough going on. So they're talking about the orb, and Tess walks in to be like, hello, this is a public place, and anyone could just hear your conversation, dummies. I know, sometimes they're like, Czechoslovakians, we can't talk about anything. And then sometimes they're, you know, talking about super alieny stuff, looking at super alieny pictures, right in the crashdown. Yep, just mm -hmm. out for the world to see. So Tess sits down with them, and Max is just staring at her, totally Ugh. staring at her, and, and I think hallucinating. He, like, you know, yeah. stares at her and then sees him and her in the desert and whatever. Um, and Tess is just like, do I have something in my teeth? Yeah, it's the like vision land that we saw when Michael yeah. was having his hallucinations. So that's curious. With the symbols and everything. Yeah, she also orders a cherry Coke with lime. In the balance, we learned that Max is a fan of cherry Coke. And Maria guesses that Michael might be a fan of cherry Coke. With arsenic. Ooh, yeah. Lime is probably a better compliment. Yeah, lime sounds better. And then Max does this thing that I hate, where he's like, I'm having feelings for another girl. Liz, let me kiss you passionately while I think about her so that I can try to prove to myself that I'm a decent guy. Yeah, that this part made me so mad. Like, he brought Liz in and made it seem like, oh, like, I just really need to be with you and kiss you. And it was um, about Tess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's having a flash of Tess while yeah. he's kissing Liz. He's imagining Tess in her place. Yeah. She deserves to know this. And whether or not he has control over that, like, whether or not it's like a daydream imagination or it's something that's like taking over his brain like a vision is unclear. But either way, he shouldn't have initiated something with Liz right after his other weird flash of Tess, where he's seeing history with her. Yeah, he should be telling people. He should be telling his sister and pseudo brother and probably Liz that this yes. stuff is happening instead of keeping it from her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think the real betrayal that is started here isn't that Max is fantasizing about someone else. It's that he doesn't tell anyone. Yeah. 
And he acts in a way that, like, he's clearly trying to make himself feel better rather than trying to make Liz feel better. Totally. Yeah. It's selfish. Yeah, I agree. Because it, it seems like he can't help having these hallucinations, but it's the not telling that's the issue. Also, I just yeah. want to talk about the lighting in the scene of the two of them making out. It's pretty ridiculous. It's, like, fully <laughs> dark, pitch black, and just this, like, bright light just on the two of them. It's it's very dramatic lighting for, like, the back room at the crashdown. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they have mood lighting. There's a dimmer somewhere. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So then we have the theme song, our beautiful Dido theme song that we love. And then Valenti's office, where he is really trying to get in touch with Topolsky. He calls the facility. Nobody is letting him get through to her. He asks to talk to Dr. Margolin. Um, he can't get through to him. He's also calling a medical establishment looking for information on one of their patients and seems dismayed that they won't give it to him. They absolutely should not give him any information about one of their patients and should not even confirm that she is a patient there. So they yep. are doing the right thing. Because that would be a HIPAA violation. Yeah, I was going to say, beyond should not, it is very much illegal to give that yes. information to him. But, you know, he does ask to talk to the doctor, and so at right. least he could, like, leave a message for him. Right. The doctor who he thinks, oh, he'll totally remember me. We just saw each other last week. Mm -hmm. So then we go to school where Isabel and Tess are continuing to build up their friendship. I think it's weird for Tess to tell Isabel that she wants to date her brother. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think if someone told me they wanted to date my brother, I would be like, um, I'll go over there. There's a different topic of conversation. I don't want to hear about this. Not to mention her brother is very much involved. As, as Isabel does tell him, she, you know, she's like, no, Max is all like, oh, this is my soulmate. Oh, I love this. Which is very cute. <laughs> and very accurate. Yes. And Tess is like, ooh, I'm sort of into those serious wounded guys, which is like a very fair description of Max. <laughs> yes. Accurate. 100%. Um, also, what's on the inside of Isabel's locker? I was looking, it's a lot of like magazine cutouts, like of women. Mm, like a aspirational vision board yeah, or something. Yeah, maybe it's like a vision board, a vision locker. Or all of her gay crushes. Yep, very much could be that. Do they all look like Maria? Yeah, I didn't see Maria in there, but, you know, I probably just, she's probably in a, a special part in the yeah. back. Yeah, maybe this is, this is her socially acceptable way of crushing on Maria in public, where she's like, yes, these are the models that I want to bang look like. I look like. That's, <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. But then we head to science class, where we are learning about combustibility. Wait, first, can we go back before that? Yeah. Um, because there's also one thing Tess says when she's talking to Isabel. She's talking about Max and she says, I thought I felt him. Mm. Never mind. So that's when we learn that, like, okay, she's also noticing something weird on her end. Yes. Right. She's, there are seeds of doubt in the world of Max and Liz happening. But they're intensified after the next scene. Yeah. Yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> When we learn about combustibility and uh, Max has a very vivid vision of making out with Tess in front of everybody and sets himself on fire. Yeah, this is where we return to being hit over the head by teachers who tell us this theme for the episode. So Mr. Sullivan is like, ooh, combustibility, when two or more chemical elements become easily aroused, <laughs> culminating in oxidation and eventually burning Ooh. and i feel like he's saying that they're gonna get gonorrhea <laughs> burning right? yeah well yeah it's gonna burn sorry also would he really use the word aroused won't they say like agitated or excited when talking about something like that like aroused is not really the word oh no no but we have to have him say aroused of and course. then see max's <clears throat> flame shooting straight up into the air at Ooh. attention also have we seen this teacher before Yes. Okay. He was the one who Liz was, when they got detention, he was like, Liz, you're so smart. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was in the sexual healing. Also, it, everyone is in this class. Like, almost everyone yes. is in this class. And during Max's daydream thing, when he and Liz, or he, sorry, he and Tess are making out on the table, uh, 
Liz, like everybody looks kind of disgusted except for Alex. They show Alex who has like a big grin on his face. But like, are these reactions part of Max's fantasy? Like, is his fantasy intercut with like, oh, let's cut, let's see what Maria thinks about this. Maria's not into it. Alex, oh, Alex is digging it. Because like, why would we be seeing these things? If this is all in Max's head. Max is like picturing how hurt Liz would be. What a jerk. And Alex is just like, oh, free porn in glass. Okay. Great. (laughs) Yeah, he's loving it. Also, Tessa's shirt is backless, which is a bold move for high school. I had shirts like that in high school, and I did wear them to school because there was no dress code. And I am of the same generation. Yeah, I didn't wear shirts like that, but other people did. I don't think we were allowed to wear those things. It reminds me of Buffy. I feel like Buffy wears a lot of shirts like that. There are. That's where all of my fashion in high school came from, was the WB. <laughs> Leopard print micro minis and like tall boots and backless tank tops. That was my wardrobe. I gotta say, I'm glad I missed that phase <laughs> of fashion. I kind of love it. <laughs> Is that bad? No, to each their own. It's just not my style. Cool. Um, also, so Max catches on fire, and in the in his daydream, <laughs> Tess is like, you're on fire, you're on fire. And it turns out he actually is on fire. Why were the Bunsen burners lit when they're not being used, and they're still in the instruction portion of the class? It just, they wouldn't be. It's dangerous. People, when you're in science class, don't have open flame unless you're actively using it. Maybe the classroom was a little chilly, and they were just doing some DIY heating. Sure, sure. I mean, Tess was probably cold in that shirt. Yeah, she might have needed it on to warm her hands or her backside. (laughs) So then we have this cute thing going back and forth between the boys' bathroom and the girls' bathroom, back and forth. And, And a parallel between, like, Liz and Max and then Michael and Maria. Because Liz is kind of like, oh, this isn't a big deal. Maria's like totally worried about the test thing. She said, what if Czechoslovakians can't avoid temptation or whatever? And then in the boys' bathroom, same thing, where Michael, like Maria, is kind of freaking out about it. Well, Michael, no, Max is like freaking out. And Michael's like, we have bigger things to worry about. Michael gives one of my favorite lines so far, which is to Max, this isn't the time for your sex fantasies. I wrote yes. the same which thing. Which I love. <laughs> I want that. I'm going to make that like my alarm so that every time my alarm goes off, I'm like, what time is it? Not time for your sex fantasies. That's for sure. <laughs> but I do. So I think it's interesting the uh, reactions that Liz has. So like you said, Eliza Maria is like, oh, I don't trust this. There's something going on. And Liz is like, no, 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 it's fine. But you can tell like Sherry Appleby does a good job where she's trying to convince herself just as much as she's trying to convince Maria. She's like, no, Max and I are are really happy together. And like, she's clearly not sure. She doesn't have as much faith in Max as I think she wants to have. Yeah. Yeah. But she's not ready to admit that. Right. And Michael is like, dude, so you know how we have the sheriff and the FBI and maybe an alien hunter after us and we have these communicator stones that we don't know how to do with? No, tell me more about the pretty girl you like. Yeah. So Max thinks this is where Max first tells someone he thinks that Tess might have some sort of power over him, aside from the obvious, like, she's a gorgeous woman and he's kind of a scumbag who has been messing with Liz's heart the whole time. Besides that kind of power, mm-hmm. he thinks she has maybe some sort of, I don't know, extra special, not of this earth type of power, perhaps. Ooh. Maybe she's from up north. <laughs> yeah, she looks very Canadian. Or maybe she's from down under (laughs) yeah that's a good point down under what gave her away larina her accent is impeccable top notch poor emily de robin i'm sure her skills have improved in the last 20 years she was really young when she filmed this show yeah she's super young in once upon a time isn't she american maybe i'm trying to remember i feel like they just let her have her australian accent Maybe she can't do accents, and so now they just, she's a big enough star that when they cast her in things, they're like, yeah, whatever, go for it. I mean, yeah, because I was just thinking, like, I think I really don't like her acting here. I think it's really bad. Um, but I, but in Lost, I remember her acting being fine. And I'm like, maybe it's because she was actually using her actual voice. I think that a lot of what can come off as bad acting is her trying so hard to cover the accent. And so yeah. her line deliveries are really weird, it's and weird. they sound it really is. unnatural. Yeah. 
she sounds she's sounds like she's got kangaroos in her mouth while she's talking. But yeah, I think it is more like if she was just able to use her regular voice, I think we would probably mm-hmm. love her acting in this. But yeah, she's spending yeah. so much time and energy trying to trying to cover up her natural voice that it is distracting. And they could have done a cool thing with it where it's like, ooh, the hot new transfer student from Australia with an exotic accent. Of course, Max is drawn to her. It would have totally made sense. There's no reason that she couldn't be Australian. Well, they would have had to explain at some point, I guess, if, as we are led to believe by the end of this episode, she is an alien. But you could have just said, like, her dad adopted her and they went to Australia when she was really young because he works for the army and he was stationed over there or he was consulting for the Australian military. There could have been an easy explanation. Yeah. Okay, we've spent enough time on this, so let's anyway. go to the Valenti house. Yes. yes. Where we get Kyle. I'm a little annoyed by this because I've been saying how much I want Kyle to come back. We haven't seen him in, what, the last three episodes? Yeah. And now they put him in one episode, and all he gets to do is be like, I'm watching basketball, don't turn off the TV, and then he's done. I kept expecting him to come back, and he didn't come back. Yeah, he just gets up from the chair and leaves, and that's all we see of him. What a bummer. I said to my roommate when I was starting this episode, I said, Kyle better be in this one. He hasn't been in them for so long. And I was so excited to see him, but yeah. Come on, we need more. Did we all notice that the news agent that when so when Valenti is cuts over to the news, he turns off the game, the news agent is Thania St. John, who is one of the writers of Roswell. I don't know if the woman on the screen It is her. Okay. Yes. I was gonna say I don't it know if her. it was actually her or if they just used her name as a little throw in. Um, but that's cool. Little cameo. Tanya St. John reporting live. And I finally got validation that I've been saying her name right this whole time because I was yay. never really yeah. sure. So yeah, I've, I've looked it up. I tried to look up interviews with her or something to hear her saying it. I couldn't find anything. Now we know. I do want to point out how convenient it is that in New Mexico, they have a local Bethesda, Maryland television station. <laughs> a fire at the local psychiatric institute is not going to make national news. So clearly he has tapped in to one of the Bethesda stations. Maybe he has satellite. Um, which are really just DC stations. I am from Bethesda and we had fantastic local news. I don't think that it was ever broadcast in New Mexico. Yeah. And also very convenient that like one of what one of his buddies who he told about say. all of the mysterious things that happened to him called to be like, there's, yeah. remember how you were telling me about the alien hunting FBI agent who was <laughs> in a psychiatric facility in Bethesda? Remember that fun story that we were sharing over drinks? Turn on your TV. Yeah, who the hell called him? I don't know. And also important to note is that they say six people total died in this fire. Okay, I take it. It's going to change. <laughs> yep. And Jim finally gets through to Dr. Margolin, who's like, hey, what's up? Who are you? Has no idea who Jim is, but identifies one of the victims of a fire uh-huh. who honestly, like, could not have been positively identified at this point. There's no way. The fire just happened. But yeah, he makes it very clear that he has never been to Roswell. And it was not him that Valenti met last week. Dun, dun, dun. Who could it be? Maybe our shapeshifter. So that's what Jim wants to know when he goes to the UFO museum. And where is Milton? Milton Watch 2000! Where is he? Milton, oh Milton, I want you a You showed up to work when slacking is the default. We miss you, we love you, we need you right here. Milton, oh Milton, why did you disappear? Come back to us, Milton. Where is Milton? So, UFO Museum. Max is putting up a trust no one sign. Is this an X-Files reference? Yes, I think so. I feel like we get those time to time. Yeah, it's possible. Any hoozles. Milton's not there, but Jim is, and it seems like he's genuinely trying to connect with Max. Like, he's really opening up. He really wants to trust Max. He tells him 
Topolsky was killed. He doesn't think it was an accident. What if everything she said was true? Max is like, hi, I'm 16. This is a lot to process. Yeah. I'm still operating under the assumption that you don't actually know I'm an alien and I'm feigning innocence. Right. And also, like, up until recently, Jim has been not exactly on their side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. He's been, like, the villain. And now it's, like, more complicated than that. Yeah. And this is where Jim says that the shapeshifter theoretically, has killed Topolsky and six innocent people. Right. Which would make seven. Seven, 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 seven. Which is more than six, for those of you keeping track. Are you sure it's not the same as six? Maybe in the world of Roswell, where time (laughs) and distance don't work and nothing makes sense. Numbers work differently. Also, I want to point out the lighting in this scene as well. Very dramatic. (laughs) Max is working in the dark that is also blue. It's like a blue light and dark. And like, you know, I would think if Max is at work, he would turn the lights on. I'm going to theorize that since Milton isn't there, no one's paying the utility bills. And so all the lights have been shut off. Oh. Okay. Yep. Yep. That's probably what it was. um, Why is Max at work then? He's just so dedicated, you know? (laughs) He really, he took that conversation to heart in the convention where Milton was like, I'm going to give you more work than you ever thought possible. And Max is like, keep bringing it on, Milton. Even though I haven't seen you in months and I miss you so much, I'm going to honor your memory by continuing to do this great work. And I haven't been paid. What a guy. Yeah, I don't know who's paying him, but whatever. (laughs) And then we have this kind of cool thing where Jim is like, someone's out there and they could be watching you and we hear this in voiceover as we transition to Michael's apartment where dun 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 someone is watching him mm-hmm. and it's just a quick little blip for now before we head back to school where Michael is sneaking into the records room to like dig up some dirt on Tess the unlocked and unattended confidential student records room yep mm-hmm. I feel like student records are usually like in the office where there's like you know the secretary and like different people working they are also guarding it yeah and maybe they put little locks on the files i mean i would think each drawer would be locked you would think yes but luckily for them not the case maria comes in with another one of her lectures on what it means to be a couple he has to learn how to trust her that's how a relationship works no secrets So either give it to me straight or you're not going to be giving it to me at all? Maria. Yeah. Maria. Laying down the law. Yes. Also, what exactly has he been giving to her? I mean, whatever she wants or doesn't want. Mm. I mean, whatever she wants and not giving her what she doesn't want. Maybe they've moved past the stage where she was telling Liz that they were just like kissing and maybe a little more. I don't know. I mean, or maybe that's uh, what he's giving to her. Maybe. Maybe. Some kissing and snuggles. So Michael, of course, is able to easily locate Tessa's file, and we find out some information about her. Those of us who obsessively pause and uh, examine every detail will know that Tess Harding was born May 7th, 1983 in Omaha, Nebraska. She previously attended school at an unnamed institution, but it was located at 47 Glenbrook in Chicago, Illinois. Okay. Her father is Ed Harding. Her mother, Sheila Harding, died on the 8th of March. No year it was given, so I don't know. Happened at some point. Maybe just this year. Maybe that's why they had to move. Maybe. Their current address is 433 Crestview in Roswell, and her father's occupation is listed as consultant. He works at 3 Williams Road, also in Roswell. Okay. And that is the extent of the information we learn. Thank you for that. If anyone needs to write them a letter, that's where you can direct your correspondence. There's no 47 Glenbrook in Chicago. I don't think any of the addresses that they use are real. I looked at the ones that they gave for Agent Stevens in uh, the last episode as well, and I would guess that they're like childhood addresses of someone on the crew or something. The other big thing I notice in this scene is that they are once again uh, making Maria a little sexier. She's got a really deep V shirt on. This seems like something they've been doing the last few episodes. Like since she started getting hot and heavier with Michael, she's uh, showing off her body a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's also a little bit of a crop top. Not super crop top, but it's a little bit, you know, doesn't c- quite cover her tummy or her lower back. Bare midriff. 
So maybe maybe she's feeling a little more confident in herself now. Yeah, good for her. She looks good. She does, yeah. So Michael obviously found Tess's address mm-hmm. in her file. So at Tess's house, Michael is outside. He knocks on the door. It's raining and there's no answer at the door. So that's when he goes to look in the window. And while he's there, a big military Hummer shows up with military people coming out of it. And Michael's hiding. So he saw that not only is the house totally empty, right? When he looked in the window, there's nothing there. And uh, the military was there. So, you know, he naturally freaks out about that. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple questions about this. First question is, what was his plan? Like, if someone was there, was he just going to be like, Hi, Mr. Harding. I am a person who barely knows your daughter. How do you do? Have a good day. Bye. I was just coming by to say welcome to the neighborhood and I forgot to bring my jello mold with me. I'm so embarrassed. I guess I'll leave. That sounds accurate. I mean, knowing Michael, like he's not really one to always have a good plan. So no, he's I think not. you're right. He probably didn't really have a good one. My other question here is regardless of what Ed Harding's occupation turns out to be, Why on earth, how would it make sense that there's two dudes in a trench coat accompanied by a guy with a machine gun standing guard who are going into his house, it seems, without his knowledge? What are they doing there? What is the explanation for this? When supposedly he's not even there because their stuff hasn't arrived yet, so they're staying in a hotel. Mm -hmm. Right. And he if he works for the army, like they say later, then why are the army guys investigating him or like are they planting bugs in his house like what are they doing or maybe they are uh like doing a final safety check before they officially move their stuff in and then they're gonna be like well we broke in really easily and we failed to notice the teenage boy lurking outside so (laughs) you're good to go your safety check was failed so back at the crash down liz is questioning max about tess as his lab partner Is it just for today or from now on? Because, you know, if it's from now on, I'm going to be left without a partner. And I just, I need to know. You know, she's like pretty anxious about it. Subtext much? (laughs) Yeah, poor Liz. Clearly, she's like, someone's going to be stuck without a partner. And I don't want it to be me. Are you my partner or not? And Max is like... I don't know. Let's ask the teacher. Like, he doesn't try to reassure her. He's not like, oh, I'm going to do what I can to fight for us. I'll tell Mr. Sullivan I want to be your partner. Oh, I miss being your partner. Oh, don't worry. Oh, he's nothing. He's not like, I love doing science with you, Liz. He's just like, pretty girl. I don't know. He's either just really dense or he's an asshole. Maybe both. I think it's the latter because he then immediately is like, let's stop talking about Tess avoidance let's just play the avoidance game now mm-hmm. and michael comes and pulls him into a conversation with him and isabel where he's telling them about the house michael apparently knows gun models he's like the guy had an m16 he clearly doesn't work at the cheese factory <laughs> nice call back to <laughs> the, the cheese, cheese factory. factory we haven't heard about it in so long i do believe uh t- a teenage boy would possibly know gun models just from like video games and stuff same Yeah, I guess. Because, like, I know some gun models from video games, and I hate guns and don't know them in person, but, like, I play video games. Okay, fair enough. And I feel really sad for Isabel, because this is her only friend who's going to be taken away from her over the course of this episode. Yep. And then, like, Max finally tells them about the conversation with Valenti, which he absolutely should have done. Immediately. Right away. Yeah. Which Michael points out, and then Max is like, I didn't want anyone to panic and do anything stupid. And he clearly means Michael, but, like, Max is the one who's been stupid recently. Yep. And then poor Liz. Michael's referring to Tess as Max's new girlfriend, and yeah. Liz walks by and just looks like her entire heart has been yeah. completely oh, shattered. Yeah, but she's trying to hold it together, Ugh. but she just looks so sad. And, like, Max maybe thinks about going after her. But he doesn't. But doesn't, because Volante comes in. He's not really looking out for Liz no, in this episode. No, he is not. At all. I think that's part of the point. Or even thinking about her. Yeah. So then, surprisingly enough, Valenti comes in with the orb in hand into this public place and sets it on the counter, which, okay, weird enough, like, you should be hiding it. But um, but yeah, he brings it back and, and gives it back to them. And he says, before you can expect someone to trust you, you've got to trust them first. And then he looks at Max and he says, whenever you're ready, Max. 
So he's trying to build that bridge with them. Yeah. He's doing his best. I think that it was a really great approach. Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of, he's showing them, like, here, here's, like, you know, he's he's kind of opening up to them and showing them that he trusts them. Yeah. And I do think that's right. a good way to get someone to trust and you. putting the ball in their court and saying, I'm here for you when you need it. I And I like the whenever you're ready. I like that. Yeah. No rush. Yeah. You know, this is a hard thing to do. I'm around. You know how to contact me. And I think from his viewpoint, like, there's not really a downside. He's definitely not going to figure out on his own what this stone Mm -hmm. does. So, like, it's a risk that he takes giving it to them, but it could potentially have a pretty big payoff. Whereas if he just kept the thing, he's probably not going to get anything out of Mm -hmm. it. Totally. So it's just a good decision all around, which Michael is very suspicious of. Yeah. Which is fair. Yeah, totally. Given their history, it makes sense. And given Michael's history of shitty adults in his life who cannot be trusted. Yep. And then Isabel vows that she will check out Tess. So we transfer over to Tess's house where their stuff is finally there. Yay! And they're unpacking. They're very interesting stuff. All Uh sorts of international goods and antiques. So Isabel walks in and she's questioning things. She's like, what is this? And... Uh, Tess tells her, it's a landed Buddha from the Republic of Miramar. There is no Republic of Miramar. (laughs) Maybe she meant Myanmar. That's what I kept thinking at first that I was mishearing her, but I was not. That's what it says in the transcript. I don't know why they just made up a country. Maybe she just mispronounced it in all of her focus of trying to do the American accent and they just didn't fix it. But you said the script says Miramar? Mm Mm-hmm. Or the transcript. Right, right. So it's a transcript. So it's just what someone who is probably looking at the subtitles or just listening along wrote down. So. Yeah, because the subtitle said Miramar, which like, you know, is a thing. It's like a neighborhood in um, <laughs> Santo Domingo. Santo Domingo. Thank you. Yep. You know, because Miramar is just like, it's like ocean view, you know, like looking at mm-hmm. the ocean. So that's a thing in Spanish, but there is no republic. There's no country. No republic of, of ocean view? And in a place where they speak Spanish, they probably don't also have a bunch of Buddha statues, but you know, who knows? Not a ton. I'm sure there are Spanish-speaking Buddhists somewhere. Sure. There are. I have met some. But uh, no, you don't really see a lot of Buddhas. Probably not 300-year-old statues. (laughs) And then Mr. Harding shows up, and I'll talk more about this in in my predictions section, but... um, He's Nisado, right? As soon as I saw how creepy he was, I was like, oh, it's Nisado. Yeah, he's he's a weirdly creepy guy. So I, like I said, think this actor does a great job being super duper creepy. And when I saw this, I was like, he looks so familiar. And it was because I had just watched the Angel episode Lullaby, where he plays a creepy Wolfram and Hart employee. Oh. So another Buffyverse crossover. Yep. Another WB crossover. One of many. Yeah. Also, he does he plays creepy really well. Mm-hmm. Oh, so creepy. His little line when Isabel's like, what do you do? And he goes, Well, if I tell you, I have to kill you. And then just like takes several beats to awkwardly stare yeah. at her before he and Tess are like, ha, 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 what a funny <laughs> joke. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. A lot of the times that he's being creepy, Tess is behind him, like looking at him with like a big smile, like, oh, ha, ha dad. Oh, yeah. Tess is also very creepy in this. He does. He, he says certain things that are like friendly things. You know, she's like, oh, Mr. Harding. And he's like, call me Ed. But he says it in a creepy way. Yeah. <laughs> like he makes it creepy. It doesn't have to be creepy. He's like, call me Ed. No, thank you. But this is where Tess says, okay, actually, he works for the army. He's advising them on how to convert their abandoned base facilities into storage units. It's very easy to convert something into a storage unit. You just put shit in it. It's a storage unit now. You know, if you want to get really organized about it, you could, like, pile different categories of things in different piles and, like, put labels on the crates. But, you know. But Isabel tries to help them, which is nice of her. Mm -hmm. And Tess, instead of like, oh, don't help, she says, put that down. Like, so aggressively, put that down. Because Isabel picked up a box of pictures. So what's in that box of pictures? It must be important if Isabel's not supposed to touch it. Way to give it away. Uh Uh-huh. And also, I want to say Isabel looks very cute in her little red button-up shirt that she has tied just like a little bit above the top of her pants. 
It's so a cute. very like sweet sort of semi southwestern little like cowgirly look without being too over the top. Adorable. It's cute. Ed is not thrilled that Isabel is there. When they go yeah. in the other room, he's like, what is she doing here, Tess? And Tess is like, she's my friend. She came to the house. And she just showed up. It's not like Tess invited her. Yeah. And so I, given what we find out later, I'm curious why Ed wouldn't also be interested in Isabel. Yeah. If he is who I think he is, shouldn't he be interested in all the aliens? Well, I mean, regardless, whoever he is, like we find out later in the episode that that box is filled with pictures of Max. Yeah. You would think right. if they have pictures of Max, they know who Isabel is, you know? You would think. Well, he doesn't say who is she. He says, what is she doing here? Right. Yeah, exactly. If Max came over, he would probably be like, oh, let's get to know you. Like, if you've been spying on someone, you want to know more about them. So, like, he should want to know more about her sister, his sister, too. Yeah. So then we go to the crash down in the rain for this very Ross and Rachel scene, this unnecessarily uh. Ross and Rachel scene where Liz is inside cleaning up and Max comes to the door and it's raining and they're looking through the, you know, the rainy oh. window. It's just so very friends. Like that is a famous Ross and Rachel scene. Yes, you're totally right. But that, I feel like that one ends a little better than this oh, one Oh, it does. totally does. Yeah. But it really, to me, it was like so obviously, I don't know if they did it on purpose, but like a clear, I don't know reference yeah and she opens the door for max and then we as the audience are watching them kiss through a rainy window Mm -hmm. you know it was very very similar and he says to liz you know he's reassuring her finally um that he does love her you're the one liz the only one i could never be with anyone else just a couple minutes before Mm -hmm. something else happens yep yeah so this is what i wrote for this scene Max kisses Liz, leaves, immediately kisses Tess. Pretty much. It's like two minutes after he's like, I could never be with anyone else. And he he specifically says, I don't feel anything for her. I look at you and I know you're the person I'm supposed to be with. He tells her it's fate that that brought them together. Yeah. And then Tess is like, my car broke down. Do you believe it? And Max is like, nope. I know. I love that he's just like, no, I don't believe it. You planned this. Yeah, he accuses her of planning it and all that and um, still kisses her. Just gets like closer and closer to her face. This does give us the impression that he's not entirely in control here because he's like, I don't want this. And she's like, I'm sure you don't. And then it's just happening. Right. And he gets all these flashes. And then when he pulls back, he says, who are you? So he's like really suspicious here. But I would like to say, no, Max, who are you, sir? Because you're supposed to be Liz's boyfriend. Also, one of the flashes he sees is that V, the lights in Mm -hmm. a V shape in the sky, which I think we've seen before. Yes. It's the constellation that they think represents their home world. Yep. Or like points to their home world. Weren't the rocks that they had to put into the cave wall in that shape as well? Yeah. In what, the balance or something? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, so maybe this is implying that she has some sort of connection to their home world as well. Or maybe not, because he saw similar things with her. Liz saw similar things, and she's not an alien. Either way, it means, like, she and Max have some sort of connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so sad. And we go to Michael's apartment, and he's eating cereal or oatmeal or something with a big old box or bottle of hot sauce next to him. Hot sauce! Hot sauce sighting! Oh, we need a jingle for that, too. Hot sauce! And then, like... A couple seconds later, there's two more bottles of hot sauce on top of the fridge. Like, so much hot sauce in this scene. I'm surprised he doesn't have, like, the gallon-sized Costco jar yeah. instead of these little ones. That's I mean, Maybe he's just stealing them from the crash down, and that's oh, why. Yeah, probably. Now that he works there, it's even easier. Right. But I would assume that crash down would also have, like, big jugs of it that they just refill, like they do with ketchup and stuff. I was thinking the same thing. That's the biggest logical inconsistency in this show. Absolutely. So Max comes in, you know, and he's all, I'm in trouble. Um, And he tells him about the test kiss. And Michael's just like angry. And he's like, go talk to your buddy Valenti about it. And he gets pretty harsh. You know, he's like, I used to admire you. I don't know who you are anymore, Maxwell. Um, So that's when they actually start to like physically fight. But that only lasts for like a second because... 
they crash into the what the fridge and see that there was a camera on top of it. This is also where Michael really starts standing up for Liz. So, Eliza, you mentioned where he's like, Max, I used to admire you. I used to trust you. And he says, and Liz trusted you. Yeah. And he's like, Max isn't really thinking about Liz's experience with all this as much as he should be. But Michael mm-hmm. is, which is interesting. Yeah. We haven't really seen their relationship develop since missing when he stole her journal and somehow that made him like her more, which I still don't buy that. <laughs> I know. We've heard her journal. I don't I don't buy right? it. Right? <laughs> but I like that as they're all hanging out more as a group, like they seem to have these little relationships forming. So it, yeah. I really like that it's not just like Liz and Max and everyone else. It's like they have their own dynamics amongst mm-hmm. each other. And then that fight happens that Elisa mentioned and bum bum bum. They see that there was a camera planted in Michael's house. Intrigue, excitement. What will happen next? What happens next is that they go to a public place to discuss alien things. Yep. Yep. I do think in this case it makes a little more sense because maybe they think, oh, well, perhaps Max and Isabel's house is being surveilled too. Mm -hmm. So let's go to this place. And they're kind of whispering. So I'll give it to them here. It is a crowded place but a regular place of theirs that whoever is surveilling them would know that they go to a lot. Yeah, absolutely. But That's true. it's crowded and, and a microphone probably, like, if it's placed somewhere, wouldn't pick up just their conversation with everybody else talking. So I want to ask if anyone noticed the prop that is behind them by the door. I noticed it when I was doing my screenshots for the last episode for Instagram, but during this particular scene, I could not stop staring at it. The stand-up alien who is holding in his arms a human baby doll. (laughs) I missed that part. I saw the alien. I didn't realize the alien was holding a baby. Oh, that's bizarre. Is he abducting a baby? Is this like a human-alien hybrid baby that one of these abductees has produced? Yes, all of it. I want to know more. That'll be on our Instagram. And y'all can let us know what you think is happening. Maybe it's supposed to be Max or Michael or Isabel. This is what happened to them. Their alien parents came down to Earth to give them a better life as human babies. Maybe that's what it is. Anyway, I could not stop looking at that, (laughs) so I just wanted to see if anyone else noticed. I didn't notice the baby aspect. No, absolutely not. So Michael thinks Valenti could be behind this, and Max says this would blow the budget for the Roswell Police Department. Roswell doesn't have a police department, Maxwell. It has a sheriff's department. Jim is the sheriff. Those are different things. Maxwell. (laughs) (sighs) Writers. Uh, But I do like that he points that out. Yeah, it's a fair point. Because he's like, right about that. It's like, they don't have the budget for this. Mm -hmm. And like, it would be weird. Well, maybe, maybe Valenti was trying to throw them off their tracks while he was surveilling them. That could be reasonable. But it seems like this is not the time when Valenti would be doing that. And there is this suspicious new girl. Yes. So Isabel reports back about the empty house and that her dad works for the army like why the house was empty that all their stuff just arrived and also said her dad was normal which like i disagree he was creepy yeah he was super creepy um and so she says everything was normal except and she tells them about how tess reacted when she tried to pick up that box but before they can talk about it anymore liz comes in and max is like looking at her clearly expecting her to be like hey and she just walks by like nope 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 yeah she doesn't even look at them Max gets up to follow her, and Michael says, that guy's got bigger problems than Valenti and the FBI put together. (laughs) Which, like, okay, overstatement. But sure, Michael. Sure. Problems of the heart. Michael, who was just like, this isn't a big deal, why are you being weird, is like, it's basically an existential threat at this point. So... This is my, Eliza, I think you mentioned that there was a bunch of stuff in Isabel's locker that didn't make sense. We see Liz's locker Uh open. Who is in that photo? Who is oh, that? I thought that was her and Maria. No, it's not Maria. That's not Maria. And it's not like her mom. I thought it looked like her and Maria, but then there was a photo of some like young boy from like the twenties. It's a picture. <laughs> it's a picture of her like leaning over some girl with glasses. Maria doesn't wear glasses. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know. I, who is it? No, I both times I watched it, I was like, who is that? Yeah, because it's not Maria. It's not like her mom. Like it's not Isabel. Who else is in her life? I'm guessing that maybe this is like one of Sherry Appleby's actual real life friends and they just snuck it in there. Mm. But it's weird because it's big enough that you can see it and you can see the glasses. And we know that Maria has perfect eyesight. But also, who is that other photo? I don't know. Some little boy. What, What was that all about? 
I don't know. Does Sherry Appleby have a little brother or something? I don't know. Maybe. So anyway, Liz tells Max that she saw him with Tess, and he's like, wow, wow, poor me. I don't know what's happening. Wow, wow, feel bad for me. And Liz is like, no. He literally says, it wasn't me. It's not what you think. I'm drawn to her. It's not just attraction. Like, he's just making excuses. And telling her to have faith in him. Yeah. Also, telling telling the girl that you're into that you have something more than attraction with someone else is maybe not the right move. Yeah. And she's hurt by all of it. But the thing that seems to hurt her the most is when he says that he had flashes when he kissed her. And she was like, like when you kissed me, she's like devastated by that. She says, I guess I'm not so special after all, huh? Aww. And like, Shiri Ugh. has tears in her eyes. She does a great job with this. Yes, she does. No, it's really sad. And then cut to her crying up on her roof. Yeah. And Maria says that Michael told her to come talk to yeah. Liz. That she was going to mm-hmm. need a friend. She needs someone to talk to. How sweet of Michael. Michael's relationship with Liz is so much better than his relationship with Maria. I know. Like, they're very different types of relationship. But, like, Michael is really good at platonic friendship. Really crappy yeah. at romantic relationships. But, like, he is looking out for yeah, he's Liz. he's really looking out for her. It's really nice. And so I I liked that in the last scene, Liz didn't blame Tess for what happened. Maria kind of blames Tess, but she's also like, oh, yeah, Max was a jerk. And then she tells Liz, whatever you do, you know I've got your back, right? Mm. She's just like being the perfect best mm-hmm. friend. As usual. And Liz describes it as like kind of an eyes versus heart conundrum. Her mm-hmm. eyes see that he's cheating. Her heart tells her that he's not. And Maria, you know, isn't really telling her this is what you should do. She's just saying, look, I know that you usually go with your heart. But, you know, but like you said, whatever she does, Maria has her back. So it's a it's a great friendship between the two of them. It's very sweet. And then we cut to the crash down where Alex is just standing around the kitchen, probably contaminating it. I don't think that this meets health codes, but (laughs) I do really like the shirt he's wearing. So I'm going to give him a pass. Reasonable. And his nerdiness is coming to the rescue because he's, like, hacked into and fixed the little camera and has, like, hooked it up to his own little portable TV. Yeah, he went from Blind Date where he figured out how to, like, rewind the tape on their answering machine to, like, knowing how to rebuild spy cameras. But he also hacked into the FBI computer system. Oh, that's true. That's true. Topolsky's computer. Yeah, he's just been waiting for another opportunity to use those skills. I'm glad he got one. I'm glad he's getting to show off his unique abilities. Also, we have this funny line where Alex is like, look, I don't want to get too, what does he say? I don't want to get too sappy, but um, I'm really happy that I'm able to help out. And Michael's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, Michael doesn't (laughs) care. Whatever, dude. Classic Michael. (laughs) I also thought it was cute when Maria walked up and just assumed that they were watching porn at work. Sure, 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 sure. And then she sees herself and she's like, oh, I'm not as flat as I thought I was. And freaking Michael is like, well, it's a wide angle lens. So <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, dude, her you want her boyfriend. to let you touch those boobies. Maybe don't talk smack about them. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with having small boobies. But if the girl is saying she wants them to appear larger, don't argue with her. And she's happy with the way they look. Don't like take tear her down. Yeah. Be like, you know what? They look great. On that camera, they look great in person. You look great. I love your personality. Here are some flowers. (laughs) This scene did make me laugh a little bit, which is good because there are no laughs in the actual episode. But I laughed. So there's that. Yeah, all the laughs in this one come from us, the audience. Yeah. And Alex has also been doing recon around town. He's just staked out a spot in an abandoned warehouse where they can monitor the Mm -hmm. video from the spy camera that he's built. Alex needs to graduate from high school and immediately join the CIA. Sounds like a good career path for him. And then uh, when Maria's like, well, we can't just break into Tessa's house. Michael's like, ooh, do you have a better idea? And then we cut to this better idea. Yeah. Which is Liz showing up and being like, so you kissed my boyfriend. WTF. We need to talk about this. What is going on here? We need to sort some shit out woman to woman. Yeah, I really like that Liz is doing this for the good of the group. So, like, Mm -hmm. she puts aside her deal with Max. Like, everything's falling apart in her relationship, and she could just be at home sobbing about that. But the group needs her, Mm -hmm. and so she does this thing for them, which is is very good. I like Mm -hmm. that a lot. She's a team player. Yeah. 
And I also thought this was kind of a parallel. I think when we watched Leaving Normal, we talked about how inappropriate it was that like Kyle and Max were getting together to talk about who was going to be with Liz. But now Liz and Tess are kind of doing the same thing, talking yeah. about Max, which is interesting. And Liz is telling Tess that she's in love with him. Aww. And Tess is like, I didn't know he was going to kiss me. What? Mm-hmm. It won't happen again, Liz. And Liz yeah. does not believe that. No. But I like that Liz frames this as like, oh, I know you and Isabel are friends, so I wanted to get this out in the open. I don't want there to be awkwardness between us. It's yeah. mature. And it's also like some of her best lying that we've ever seen mm-hmm. her do. Yes. She's usually very bad it's at lying. True. <laughs> but when the group is at stake, she comes through. I like that Tess is like, do you want some water? Do you want some soda? And Liz is like, brew me some hot tea, woman. Yeah, what? Because it's going to take longer. I think she asks for tea because tea would take longer to prepare. And in theory, Tess will just stay in the kitchen while the water boils. And, you know, if she gets water or a soda, she just has to, like, grab a bottle or a can out of the fridge or whatever, and she'll be back in 10 seconds. No, I I agree. And I also think, like, fair enough. You kissed my boyfriend. I feel like a nice peppermint oolong. Make it happen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Fair trade. So, and the camera here, we find out the camera has audio. Yeah, this is a fancy camera. This is very sophisticated. And she plants the camera in a not very good hiding spot, like, just, like, sitting under the Buddha. No, definitely visible. I feel like I would see that in a heartbeat, because it would, like, change the way the light hits underneath the pedestal, but, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. But she gets that done quick, so that she has time to go through the box of photos, and sees that they're all surveillance photos of Max. Creepy, creepy. But very nice of Mr. Harding to just leave those photos out in the middle of the floor where they're easily accessible. Yeah. Yeah. That's like definitely the smart way to store your surveillance photos of teenage boys. Thank you so much, Ed. And Liz wants to help clean up. And Ed is like, instead, why don't you stay for dinner? And it really sounds like he's about to tell her that they're going to be eating her liver as an entree. (laughs) (laughs) So creepy. And, like, Tess is standing behind him looking over his shoulder at Liz giving just, like, the weirdest smile. Yeah. It's very weird. And Liz thinks on her feet and is like, okay, let me just call my mom. Because Ed says, I insist. He is, like, insisting that she stay Mm -hmm. for dinner. So she calls her mom, quote unquote, and it's, she's calling Max. Um, So that was pretty smart of her Mm -hmm. to be like, hey, mom, I'm at Tess's house and he's... Her dad is insisting that I stay here. So that was smart. And remember that thing we talked about yesterday with the mind control, I guess, right? I don't know, or whatever thing, because he says, are you okay? Yeah. So then the others have arrived because when we had this little cut scene before this where they were at the warehouse, they saw that Liz was in danger. And Michael is the one who's like, we need to go save her. Michael's stepping it up. Because Michael, friendship loves Liz. Yeah. It's so nice. And I love Michael in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, he's so great. Like, calling Max on his bullshit, being a good friend to Liz. I love it. I do question the kids' decision to run right up to the plate glass window and just smush their faces right up against (laughs) it where anyone could very easily see them. Either people from other houses or Tess and Ed from inside the house. (laughs) Whatever, it's fine. Ed is eating, like, a mountain of mashed potatoes do aliens love mashed potatoes if that's what he is is that a thing i don't know i mean i love mashed potatoes so i do too there are bottles of sauce on the table i thought they were like i thought the bottles were barbecue sauce maybe they're hot sauce of some sort yeah i don't know he wants to know if Liz believes in aliens, and then he tells her, surely a girl as pretty as you must have a boyfriend, Ew. and instead of being Ooh. like, Ew. how dare you, that is creepy, you're a grown man, do not talk to me that way, Liz is like, oh, that's very sweet of you. Ugh. No, no. Creepy. No, 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 you don't have to accept that, Liz. No, no. No. Creepy as fuck. Also, like, he definitely already knows, like, who she's dating. Oh, Absolutely. You know, he's like, is there a young man in the picture? He knows that. But he can't let on. So I forget what exactly prompts him, but he gets up from the dinner table to go clean up the broken Buddha. Uh, Liz goes with him. She's like, no, please, please let me do it. And he sweeps up the pieces of the Buddha and doesn't notice the camera. So that was very lucky. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's also weird that in the middle of dinner, he suddenly can't wait any longer to clean this thing up. There was, like, something that prompted it. She's kind of staring at it. She's just staring at it, yeah. She keeps looking over very, very suspiciously. Yeah, I think that's what prompted it, yeah. Luckily, Max rings the doorbell and distracts them. So she picks it up and puts the camera in a bowl of marbles. Just on the top. Colored marbles Mm -hmm. or something, like those little yellow stones. And it is... Very clearly pointed at the ceiling when she puts it in there. It is, like, almost vertical. It's also, like, a little black camera in a bowl of yellow stones. Right? In a glass bowl of reflective yellow stones. Just on the top. Liz, buddy. Nobody's gonna notice it there. Just on the- Yeah, she doesn't- Oh, Liz. I was watching this going, no, oh, Bubba, come on, you can do better. Bubba. Uh, and then, like, this is so weird. So Ed is just standing there. While Max and Tess and Liz are talking about their love triangle, (laughs) Ed doesn't seem to think this is weird. He's just like, this happens all the time, that girls show up to reprimand my daughter for kissing their boyfriends, and then the boy shows up, and then I just, like, pop a bowl of popcorn and watch the drama. (laughs) And, like, then Liz goes to leave, and he's like, but the night's not over. And I'm like, dude, chill. Laying on the creep factor real thick. Yeah, he's not being very uh, subtle about it. No, he is not. No, he's like, we'll have to do this again sometime. And I'm like, which part was fun for you? So finally, Liz and Max leave the house and are standing very blatantly with a, you know, the whole group standing there in the middle of the street Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. everyone to see. Yep, as you do. But then, you know, they disperse and go to their cars or whatever, which is when we see that Valenti has been sneakily taking pictures of them from a parked car. So do we think Valenti is there surveilling them? Do we think he's there, like, trying to protect them? Or do we think he's there because he's also suspicious of Tess and Ed Harding? What do y'all think? It's a good question. I don't know how he could be suspicious of Tess and Ed Harding yet, so maybe he's just following the kids trying to protect them because they seem to get themselves into a lot of trouble. Yeah, I feel like that might be it. Also, every time we say Ed Harding, I just hear Ed Hardy. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah. Maybe that's his side hustle. Oh, I hope not. So at the little warehouse where they're all hanging out because none of their parents care where they are Mm -hmm. ever, Max thanks Liz for believing in her and she says she went on faith, but she tells him, you still kissed her, Max. I don't know if there will ever be reason enough to explain that. And I say, good for you, Liz. Mm -hmm. Have a backbone. Tell him what's up. Good for you. I thought it was Michael's house that they were hanging out at. I think it's the abandoned warehouse that Alex mentioned that was, like, close enough so they could watch it. It was in range for the camera. Oh, right. We're right. Okay. But they have, like, takeout boxes around. That means whoever was surveilling Michael must have had some sort of spot that was not too far away where they were holed up. Right. If it doesn't, if the camera doesn't have that big of a range, they must have been. I also like that... Michael and Maria are kind of snuggling, and Max and Liz are, of course, talking. And then Isabel has her head rested on Alex's shoulder. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, they're, like, good friends. You know, she knows that she can count yeah. on him. It's really sweet. So, you know, they're everyone's just hanging out, but Isabel and Alex are watching the screen, kind of seeing what's going mm-hmm. on at Tessa's house. And then she starts doing something weird. And so Isabel is the first one to be like, huh? You can see on her face. She's like, what's this? As Tess pours out the, all the broken pieces of the Buddha. And Isabel's like, uh, you guys. And they all watch Tess use her powers to fix the Buddha. Ooh. And everyone's jaw drops. Yeah. All of them just. <gasps> and my only thought is. How convenient that someone helpfully went and rearranged that camera so that we could see what Tess was doing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know, it's a perfect angle. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was an earthquake or something and it just settled into position. Right, one of those New Mexico mini earthquakes that happen mm-hmm. frequently. Maybe someone walked by the table and just bumped it with their hip and it just settled. Boop. So many possibilities. But I think it's time for us to go to unanswered questions. Yes. Do y'all have any for this episode? I had some and I forgot them. Whoops. <laughs> okay. Aliza, did you have any? Yeah, well, I I definitely want to know what Valenti was doing there in that car uh-huh. taking pictures of them. And yeah, like the purpose of it. 
Was it to protect them? Was it because he's still spying on them because he's suspicious of them? Or was it the Harding house that he was keeping an eye on? Yeah. That's what I'm curious about. So I am curious, as we said, about what the heck the military guys were doing. I don't think there's any explanation for Ed Mm -hmm. Harding's identity. That makes sense. I really want to know what Topolsky was doing in the mental hospital. So we know that the person that we saw as Dr. Margolin was not him. But she was still in that hospital with a doctor by that name. So why was she admitted? How much of her story was true? And then at what point did the FBI like have her admitted? How did that even happen? How do you orchestrate all of that? I guess they're the FBI and they're very powerful. I feel like the the alien hunter that has no repercussions and nobody that he answers to and can do whatever he wants, he probably had her admitted to shut her up. Pierce? That's probably true. Um, Okay. I want to know if Tess really has mind control powers or if Max just sucks (laughs) or if it's a little bit of both. Also, I want to know if she did orchestrate like being there at that time. How did she get her car to be smoking like that? Like, how did she break it? I guess maybe with powers if she has powers. Yeah, I'm going to assume alien powers. She can manipulate the molecular structure of the air and make smoke happen. Uh, Okay. I want to know why Ed Harding is focused on Max. We mentioned this a little bit. We saw, I'm going off of my assumption, which I probably should have saved for Lisa's predictions, but I'm going off my assumption that Nesedo is Mr. Harding. Uh, And the initial photo that he had when he showed up at the end of Blind Date, he had a surveillance photo of all three of them. So he knows they're all aliens, but he has this box of photos that's just Max. Is there another box for Isabel and another box for Michael? It's weird that they're not Mm -hmm. with him in any of the photos. They're all of him alone. Right, and how often is he alone? Is Max special in some way? Or does Tess just, was Tess like, hey dad, I think this one's really cute. So like, let's focus on him. (laughs) And then, so I speculated, I think in our last episode, that Tess might be Nacedo. But I realized that's silly because... This show's view of gender seems to be such that Nacedo, as a male entity, only occupies the bodies of men from what we've seen Mm -hmm. so far. Which, like, okay, that's not how shapeshifting works. Right? Shapeshifting is not along gender lines. No. No. Come on. Okay, I think those are all my questions for now. Cool. Well, then let's move on to Hot and Saucy. Now let's see who's hot and saucy. Saucy. So what are everyone's hot and saucy picks for today? (laughs) I see the expressions on your faces. I know mine. My pick for hot and saucy this week is um, the moment in the administration records room when we talked about it earlier on, or Eliza did, and I kept my mouth shut because... It's my hot and saucy pick. When Maria says, you give it to me straight or you're not going to be giving it to me at all. That's my hot and saucy (laughs) pick. She's like, hey, mister. It's a little bit, a little bit saucy. She's like, if you want to get some, you better be real with me. I like when she puts her foot down like Mm -hmm. that. It is hot. Me too. Lisa, what's yours? All right. Everyone who's listening is going to hate me, but I'm going with Tess because... I feel like as we get further into her story, I will dislike her so much that I'll never be able to give it to her again, based on what they're doing with the character. But she looks great. I mean, come on. Most of my theory that she was an alien was just based on how gorgeous Emily DeRavin is. So I would like to award this hot and saucy to Tess for being so beautiful that she couldn't possibly be a human. Got it. Great job, buddy. What about you, Elisa? I think my pick this week... I think I'm going to go with Michael, just in general. Michael, in this episode, mm-hmm. it's really hot how he is looking out for Liz. He's, you know, kind of being sensitive to her needs. Um, and Michael is kind of always saucy because he's just Michael. Yeah. And, you know, Alex mm-hmm. says something nice and he says, whatever. <laughs> so Aww. he's hot, but he's also saucy. Cool, cool. All right. Well, then let's move on to Lisa's predictions. So based on the next episode title, which is Four Square, and based on what we have learned so far in the series, what do you see happening next for our heroes and heroines and villains? 
So I'm hoping that that four square is a reference to a love square that is going to form amongst Max, Liz, Tess, and Kyle. I want more Kyle. I want him flirting with Tess. I want him (laughs) flirting with Max. I usually don't really care what Liz is doing, but this episode made me like her more and also feel for her. So I hope she's also flirting with someone. Maybe Tess. You know what? Go for it, Liz. So that's my, that's going to be my prediction, that it's a a love square. Got it. Um, I do, like I said, predict that Macedo is Tess's dad. I don't know. I assume we'll find that out at some point if I'm right. I don't know if that'll be in the next episode, though, or if they're going to save it for, like, the season finale. Um, But I think that at some point in this last little arc here, we have, what, four more episodes to go before the season is over? I think the action is going to start to intensify. So I'm excited to see what they do with this whole plot line of the suspicious new guy in town. And I'm hoping that at some point something happens that gets Valenti like fully 100% on their side so that they all know they can trust each other. Cool. Yeah. I like it. We shall see. I don't know if that'll happen in the next episode, but that's my sort of like until the end of the season prediction. Yeah. All right. So I think that takes us to the end of another fun Roswell episode. It does indeed. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Spy Games, where Liz finally learns how to lie well. We'll be back Tuesday, April 28th with episode 19 of season one. Foursquare. But first, join us next Tuesday for a mini-sode where we will be diving into some specific UFO religions that we think are pretty interesting. And please remember to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you listen, and leave us a rating and review to help other Roswellians find us. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Roswell Hot Sauce, where we post lots of fun content. Um, you can email us at roswellhotsauce at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or if you just want to say hi. Show notes and a lot more info is all available at roswellhotsauce.com. Pass the Hot Sauce is produced and edited by Ashley Hullett. Our theme music is by David Belcourt, and our logo was designed by Billy Murray. Until next time, remember... This isn't the time for your sex fantasies.